It's summertime, and that means vacation and fun in the sun. And you know what? That's true, even if you are a greasy, disgusting history podcaster, Greg. So this week, while we throw on our hazmat suits and head down for the beach for some social distancing summer fun, we're leaving you guys with four of our favorite mini-episodes known as 100 Proof Hangovers. Who knows? Maybe you'll enjoy them so much that you'll toss us three bucks and get new ones each and every week. Either way, grab a drink, change your Zoom background to a nice sunny beach like I already have, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled Holiday Hangovers, Four Times the Crazy. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hello, all you degenerates. I hope you're enjoying your summer so far. Yeah, uh, you know, just like you, we want to have some fun. We want to not take a break. You guys don't realize this, but we read at least one book every week to prepare for this podcast. And so, you know what we decided is right around the 4th of July. Let's take a little week off. Let's stop researching. Let's just give the people some dick, some uh, good content that we've already released to our good content. I mean, good content. Yeah, let's go ahead and release that stuff. Um, Our Patreon listeners have already heard this. But guess what, Patreon listeners? We're giving you extra bonus comments on this stuff and we're going to give you your full on hangovers this week you're actually getting still getting the bonus content uh just want to kind of share our super secret special stuff with you guys the stuff we do after the episodes we're nice and toasted and still have a lot of fun yeah we didn't want to fully take a week off so we figured this was a kind of compromise uh give our normal listeners you know something you know if they're expecting it every week there's going to be something there for them and it also, as Chris was saying, it, it kind of shows you guys what's behind that $3 paywall. But we're also still going to be doing a hangover this week for our Patreon members because, by golly, they're paying for a service, they're going to get it. <laughs> Yeehaw! And speaking of getting it once a week, hopefully expecting it once a week at least, you know, my wife expects it once a week, but I just can't manage it, you know? Just, I need a lot of vitamin E to ha- make that happen. <laughs> Give me my boner pills. <laughs> Give me that off-brand Cialis. It's called Dialis. Because it's one below. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that joke, Chris. You know, some of our listeners, God help them. We've seen their comments. We, we, uh... We have to explain everything. We're like, yes, war is when two countries fight each other over territory or an ideal. <laughs> so, guys, if you like what you hear, go to 100proofhistory.com. There you'll find more information about our Patreon. It's different packages uh, from $1 to $5 a month. We're just going to fucking squeeze you dry, you DGN listener. <laughs> Chris, what are you drinking today? Today, I'm being very summary. I went to the local... Snow cone stand, got a lemon lime snow cone, then I poured six ounces of 80 proof tequila on top of it, and then I had to put a little bit of lemon and lime juice on top of that to kind of balance it out and make it not taste like pure sugar. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's doing the trick. It's very summery. I love it. And I can see when we started recording, it was already immediately had turned to liquid from all that booze. That's fine, <laughs> yeah. How about you, sir? I'm drinking... 
This is a local sta- staple, a Texas staple. Oh, look at you. It's TX. I'm drinking their bourbon. It is a store pick. It's, you know, eh. <laughs> Man. That is my official review. On it, dude, it tastes like Texas bourbon. I like TX bourbon. I, I enjoy it. I think I think Texas whiskey all has a very similar taste. Mm-hmm. It's all very similarly oaky, but there's not a lot of variance that I like to see. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's it's not particularly unique. I don't feel like it's as oaky as an Iron Root or Balcona's product, but yeah, I, I do agree. It is a Texas whiskey, so it's going to have that, that strong oak flavor just from the pure heat down here in Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making all the... All the juice flow into the barrels. Mm-hmm. But it will get me drunk. So <laughs> That's all that matters. In that regard, it's a fantastic whiskey. That's why after I finish this drink, I'm just pounding a handle of McCormick's. Oh, God. Just, yeah, that's a, that is a good counterpoint. <laughs> Chris, why don't you tell us uh, what our source is today? It's a good one. Well, our source, Greg, is our own big brains because we know everything. Also, Wikipedia. But mainly our brains. <laughs> I'm going to go with the brains explanation. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Because no. we are sure. obviously history geniuses. You know, I think in episode one, we, we explained we're not historians, we don't know everything, save your angry emails. Uh, you know, this is episode like 47. We've done this a lot. We've figured out fucking everything about all history. Uh, I feel like an expert on all history, so bring it on, you stupid bitches. Send me your angry emails. I don't care. I will ignore them if I don't know the answer. <laughs> or I'll take the time to look it up on Wikipedia, because that's what all history, all the other history podcasts do. Ooh, sick burn. Well, Greg, are you ready to just play some sound clips for these people? Man, it seems like a lot of work, but I'm up to the task for the listener. All right. Well, we are kicking it off with the first hangover that was made available to our Patreon subscribers. It's a tale of an English monarch and the doctors who thought they could treat him by basically shoving anything and everything into his body. Ooh. That's the same way I approach Friday night, I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, Wolf Dick, take it away. Oh, today we are talking about King Charles II of England. King Charles was born May 29th, 1630, and died February 6th, 1685. So, Greg, he couldn't live past 55. What's the Sammy Hagar? Like Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Like, I can't drive! 55! Oh, I, I'm probably going to cut that. I'm sure it's going to sound awful. <laughs> it's going to sound amazing. I cannot let my voice get out there in, in that regard. Don't I'm, I'm still auditioning for things. Don't sue us, Sammy. We are making money off this, so we are li- Fuck you, liable. Sammy. Yeah, what are you going to do? Sue me, bitch. Ruin another band? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking got him! <laughs> oh. oh. Well, Charles... Good. Is- now he's going to fucking sue us. <laughs> the fuck you, Sammy, probably wasn't shit. Yeah, just uh, as soon as I accused him of ruining a band, that yeah, was it. That's all now, it's now it's over. <laughs> well, Charles II became King of England in 1660 and ruled for another 25 years. During that reign, he had no legitimate children of his own, but he had seven with his various mistresses. Getting it while the getting's good. Lucky guy. Yeah. 
But he was a stand-up dude, and he paid his child support, Gregory, unlike you with your abandoned child in Birkenau, Germany. Fair? What? Oh, uh, nothing. Who? (laughs) Who? I'm on to you, Klaus. Oh. I'm gonna stick the Klarsfelds on you, Greg. Klarsfelds. That's what it's like the German Griswolds. (laughs) It's just just a shitty fucking vacation hunting Nazis. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Fucking hate you, Dad. (laughs) Well, not only did that piss people off, but he also supported Catholicism, which was a big no-no in 1600s England. Yeah? And since he had no legit kids of his own, his heir apparent was his brother, who was also a Catholic gentleman. The English Parliament was completely odds with Charles, and they were threatening to pass a law that prevented his brother from becoming king. And so, old Chuck decided he didn't need no stinking Parliament, and had it dissolved multiple times. And from 1661 to 1665, he was an absolute monarch of Britain. I have complete power. Star Wars. Palpatine? Yeah. I am the Senate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was actually, I have complete power. We're going to get, like, just completely destroyed by some prequel nerd, but... Oh, it's going to be so bad. Complete and total power. Absolute power. That's what it was, absolute power. You knew it the whole time. (laughs) You're just trying to play it cool. I never watched the prequels. My name's Greg. Never seen it. (laughs) Never seen it. I just, you know, I know of the history. (laughs) Not a big deal. It's important to know that the parliament controlled the collection of taxes and the budget. Without them around, Charles still had money, but not nearly enough to pay for his baby mamas and all of the blood pudding and spotted dick he wanted for his feasts. Ooh, that old spotted dick. Love me some spotted dick. Mm. Yeah, just HPV riddled <laughs> spiked bat. Did we? You know, like a bah. Did we do an HPV thing in the last episode? I feel like we nailed that we did. one. Okay, just coming back to that one. Okay, Double HPV. Yeah. Well, you were wondering how you would get cancer from... Oh, oral sex. Yes, yeah. for, because I didn't do the dishes. That's, That's right. why you would never want to do that. Yeah. It never, <laughs> ever under, go under, down on a woman. Under any circumstances. Never, ever do because, that. Because, yeah. number one... Why would you put your mouth on that? <laughs> and number two... That's where they pee from. You could die. <laughs> Did girls pee out their vaginas? I don't even I know. Think, uh, well, I think so. Yeah. It comes <sighs> It comes out somewhere. I th- uh, maybe <laughs> poop? Yeah. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> well, because they were so broke, this is what led Charles to uh, study chemistry. More specifically... Alchemy. Oh, smart guy. Yeah, if you guys don't know what alchemy is, it's basically the the idea that you can turn a regular metal into a precious metal through chemistry or some sort of electrical means. Mostly nonsense. Like, it's basically impossible. Mm-hmm. Turning shit into gold. Yeah. Charles had a lab built in the basement of Westminster Palace where he began to play around with chemicals. One of the chemicals he toyed with the most was mercury. Ooh. Oh, Freddie Mercury. That's right. Yeah. I want to be free. No. Bicycle. <laughs> bicycle. Bicycle. I guess. No, they're not ready for that yet. Let's save that for another 300 years. 
Well, then he uh, he got to Venus, and it was just wheels off because <laughs> everything was penis. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because I have nothing better for that in in my drunken state. No, that's just, fine. Uh, Venus happens to rain penis. The end. Continue, well, Chris. The song "Somebody to Love," where he's like, "Can anybody find me? Somebody to love." It's about uh, Freddie Mercury being in Amarillo, Texas, and unable to find any sort of gay bars. Is that true? No, I just made that oh, up right, okay. right now. I just made that. <laughs> that sounded believable. Anyway, in case you didn't know, because your annoying friend on Facebook hasn't explained why she will never eat sushi again, mercury is toxic, and frequent exposure or sudden exposure to a high amount can be fatal. So listen to your Queen albums in moderation. If you don't take anything else away from this podcast, take that. And aqua is Spanish for water. And Freddie Mercury died from mercury poisoning because okay. it was his last name. That's, yeah. Technically true. And Obviously. Technically true is the best kind of true. <laughs> Old Charles began to show signs of mercury poisoning in 1664 when he began to have sudden mood swings and was easily irritated. Just like Greg when he was on his period, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> guess so. I didn't want to say women because I'm trying to shake this sexist image I have, but it's totally women when they're on their period. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> he not. sounds very sorry yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm sorry because they're paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, things got worse in February of 1665, but luckily, he had the best 1665 doctors money could buy. Gregory, yeah, take it home. You know, 250 years before washing your hands, yeah. before surgery was a thing? Yeah. Yeah, those best doctors. Yeah, exactly 200 years before they tried to save Abe Lincoln by pumping his arms like a fucking windmill. <laughs> Like a bellows, yeah. yeah. Pour some brandy in his throat. <laughs> like he was an accordion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in with the good air, out with the bad air. In with the good air. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, on Monday, February 2nd, Charles woke up feeling a little under the weather. Mm -hmm. Ill, one might say. His speech was slurred, and he soon began to have fits? Or his mouth tilted to one side. I'm, I'm about to do the same thing as soon as I finish this fucking weller. <laughs> he had three of these throughout the next hour and remained unresponsive. You know, unlike you, this sometimes happens to me, but for whatever reason, a shot of whiskey seems to make it actually go away. Pour some brandy into my throat! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what that's all about. Uh, I, don't, any, I don't... Anyway, oh well, yeah. oh well, oh well. That day, his six doctors were rushed to his side. The first thing they did was cut him open and let out 16 ounces of his blood. They then applied heated cups to his head, which is today, as you may or may not know, it's a homeopathic remedy known as cupping, where a vacuum is created to draw out the blood through the skin, making, you know, basically giant hickeys yeah. on this dude's head. Yeah. I cannot stress this enough. This is a modern day bloodletting, like leeching. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's it's nothing. Complete nonsense. So weird. But people think it works. It's all psychosomatic. I hate that every time you watch the Olympics on TV, they either have the tape mm -hmm. or the actual. Like, you can see it cupping yeah. fucking everywhere. 
Yeah, Michael Phelps like, was a big <sighs> guy, big into cupping. Yeah, he was big into the tape before that. Yeah, like, uh, I hate to see it. It doesn't do shit. Yeah, because these people are at the pinnacle of their sports, and so of course they're going to do anything that might give them an edge, even if they don't know it will or believe it will. Yeah, and it's just it sucks. Literally, it's all pseudoscience bullshit. Yeah, it's probably cheaper to get a you know prostitute, male or female, to just suck on your neck for a few minutes, and that. Does basically basically the same thing. Just creates this big welt of blood blister on your neck. You could literally do it with a cup. I doubt it's cheaper, <laughs> but it's more fun. Yeah, male or female. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, as, long, <laughs> as long as they have a mustache that tickles my neck. Ooh, is that not the the go to? Like the female with a mustache. Oh, best of all worlds. Oh, absolutely. Especially, and hear me out, mm-hmm. especially if she has a dick. Oh, yeah. And then also no tits. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And she's really into musicals. That's my, mm, yeah. That's my favorite sort of female. Yeah, me too. You know, she's got short hair. Yeah. No tits. Real thick mustache. I need thick mustache. Thick mustache. Yeah. And. Dick. And for some reason, hangs Dude. hangs at all the, the gay bars, ironically, just like me. Oh. Yeah. Is that not just the most beautiful yeah. woman, you know, <laughs> yeah. that you could fathom meeting? Yeah. Oh, my God. And it has a sexy name like Teddy Jane. Mm. Oh, Russell. Oh. Mm. Okay. Whew. You're getting me hot and bothered yeah, over here. me too. My nipples no. are poking through my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me continue. <laughs> What are we talking about? I'm sorry. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh. Some king or something. I don't care. <laughs> Where's Freddie Mercury? Bring him back. Well, so with King Charles II uh, not feeling better, they said fuck it and took another eight ounces of blood. They followed that up by inducing vomiting, gave him an enema, Ooh. and force-fed him a mixture of syrup and rock salt. After that, Charles woke up. They must have thought the enema was the key because they gave another one of those. <laughs> and to top it off, they rubbed pigeon shit all over his feet and put him to bed. Ah, Sweet tight, my little king. Hold on. Let's pull his hose out of your ass so I can rub shit on you. <laughs> <burn laughs> yeah. God. Trust me. I went to school for this. Charles seemed to have improved when he woke up on Tuesdays, so his doctors continued treating him by taking another 10 ounces of blood and giving him a potion that... It was a mixture of black cherry, peony, lavender, crushed pearls, and sugar. You know what? Add a little bourbon to it. I'll drink it. Sounds oh, delicious. Yeah. Especially with the peony. Oh, I love yeah. me a good peony. Maybe some crushed pearls. <laughs> oh. Maybe convert that somehow to a pearl necklace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, this this hangover. <laughs> well, on Wednesday, Chuck took a turn for the worst and had another fit. They bled him again. They made him eat a gallstone from an East Indian goat. Not a West Indian nope, goat. That it was an East Indian that goat. That will not work for this situation, sir. Oh, no. No. East, please. When they forced him to drink a concoction made from, quote, 40 drops of extract of human skull, end quote. That's, that's very specific, right? Yeah. Well, 
it had to be from a man who had suffered a violent death. Oh, yeah. See, that's my problem. That that's that's what's caused me so many issues. Uh huh. Um, you know, as we've discussed, I have many health ailments, and I like to frequent the vitamin aisle at Walmart. And you can find extract of human skull. It's much more difficult to find extract. The violent death part. Yeah. Yeah. This is bullshit. This is why we need, you know, universal health care. Because I'm just getting this regular human skull, and it's just not working for me. I'm still having my fits. Yeah, you need that guy that's died from violent death, human skull. Yeah. This guy died of natural (sighs) cause. Wake up, sheeple. Uh, Yeah. On Thursday... King Charles was near death. No, they've been doing such good work. They cupped him again. You know, like, (laughs) hey, let's weigh these things. Grabbed his junk. (laughs) They bled him again. They made him puke again. And they gave him more enemas. And when that didn't work, they gave him another potion of opium and wine. Sign me up. Guys. Come on. Hey. Hey. What what do I need to do? <laughs> I need to put an address on the Patreon. Like, I want this. Yeah. I'll gladly die. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday, they bled him until he was almost completely out of fucking blood. In a last-ditch effort, they scoured the royal grounds and gave him an antidote consisting of, quote, extracts of all the herbs and animals of the kingdom. Fuck it. Give him everything. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, so they squeezed a bunch of flower juice into a pitcher filled with animal piss. Zebra meat. Cool. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Drink this! (laughs) This will save you. Despite their best efforts, King Charles II of England died. No! The night of Friday the 6th, 1665. But they... No, Greg, no. Well, hold on. In all reality, Charles was probably going to die from acute mercury poisoning after inhaling a large amount of fumes in his lab on the Sunday before he came ill. But at least his doctors were there to, yeah, torture him for the last five days of his fucking life. (laughs) End of story. Goodbye, Charles. (laughs) The second. All right, so you guys got to hear the first uh, Patreon-exclusive hangover. I hope you enjoyed it. Greg, I was thinking about this today when I was, you know, we're going back through this stuff. You know, it's very strange that King Charles would trust his doctor so much that they were rubbing pigeon shit on his feet. <laughs> and now you can't even tell people to wear a fucking mask without them losing their fucking shit. You know? It's unbelievable, man. We live in strange fucking times. We, we really do. And that being said, if the doctor said, I'll rub, you know, I need you to do a great smash wine dance on this horse shit and it'll cure your erectile dysfunction, I'd do it a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> well, guys, if you do decide to subscribe to our Patreon, you'll pick up on something pretty quick. See, we're big fans of two kinds of stories. Wild-ass crazy history, like the King Charles death and tales of wartime badassery. Occasionally, those worlds collide as they did in this story about British war hero Mad Jack Churchill. Enjoy! Today we are talking about Mad Jack Churchill, a soldier who fought in World War II. And that's all I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to get into the specifics here in a sec. He is a sexy, sexy beast. Mm Mm-hmm. A warmonger, but a sexy beast (laughs) nonetheless. He did live to fight. He did. He lived to fight another day. 
every day. <laughs> every fucking... What are we doing today? I don't know. We're just going to hang out. No, we're not killing enough. No, we lived yesterday to fight today. Yeah. Let's fight. Let's fight something. She's fucking screaming at a toddler. <laughs> like, ah, you stupid fucking toddler. You can't wipe your own ass. Let's fist fight. Put your dukes up. <laughs> John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill, later known as Mad Jack or Fighting Jack, was born to English parents on September 6th, 1906 in British Ceylon, which is modern-day Sri Lanka. Shortly thereafter, they moved to Hong Kong. Jack had a fairly uneventful childhood and joined up with the Manchester Regiment of the English Army in 1926. He was sent to Burma, where not a lot was going on. He learned how to ride a motorcycle and enough free time to ride it completely across the Indian subcontinent, which had shit for roads and bridges. Dude, my whole thing is like, how the fuck do you get across India in the 1920s? Yeah. There's not even, like, adequate amount of gas stations there now. How are you doing that shit? I don't know, man. And also, he's active military. He is assigned to the Manchester Regiment. We're here in Burma. We're defending Burma. He has time to drive across a whole fucking continent. It's just fucking crazy, man. Or, I'm sorry, a whole subcontinent. I was going to say. Because, no. because, you know, it likes to get pegged. <laughs> Russia coming in from the north with a big strap on. Well, not only did he learn to ride a motorcycle, he also taught himself how to play the bagpipes and came in second place in a bagpipe competition. Of two people. Sounds fucking terrible. Like, I would judge it. I'd give, like, perfect scores just so I can get the fuck out of there. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's the winner. I don't care. I'm done. If you get second place in a bagpipe competition, put a knife through the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. Because even first place is annoying most of the times. So. Yeah. There's the nice, you know, funeral here and there. Mm-hmm. A little uh, St. Patty's Day parade. Yeah. Other than that, I'm out on bagpipes. You finish second, you basically, it sounded like you were strangling a cat. Like, ah, oh, good effort, buddy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> It was also during this time that Jack taught himself how to fire a longbow and would later go on to represent England in an international archery competition. A what? International archery competition. <laughs> <laughs> in an international archery competition. There we go. There we go. For all you English majors out there. That's a good boy. <laughs> in 1936, Jack got bored with being in a peacetime army and left for Kenya where he became a male model, of all things. Hmm. Doing his fucking Zoolander blue steels. and he did have a nice little mustache. Hmm. Oh, uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Nice little mustache. <laughs> Just like Hitler. No. Hey. He would actually go on to work as an extra in a few movies during this time period. But in 1939, when the Nazis invaded Poland, Mad Jack joined back up with the Manchester Regiment. He actually tried to join up with the Finnish army because they were actively fighting the Soviets at the time, as opposed to the Brits, who were setting up defensive positions along the French border. Luckily for him, the Germans soon invaded France, and he didn't have to go to Finland. That country sucks. Fuck you, Finland. Why? Shout out to all of our Finnish Patreon contributors. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck those guys. You're an idiot. I think they were the bad guys in Mighty Ducks too. so... No, that was Iceland. Never mind. You're Finland, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> you were never the bad guy in a Mighty Ducks movie, so... That's my 
It's my yeah. S- plus, they fought the fucking Soviets on goddamn skis. But then they joined up with the Nazis to starve out Leningrad. So, are they really that good? Are they? Fuck you, Finland. Stupid. You do what you do to make you know your enemies fucking. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can't defend the side with the Nazis. I'm sorry. The 1940 Battle of France did not go great for the Allies, and they were forced to retreat at Dunkirk. The Manchester Regiment was responsible for launching small guerrilla raids on the advancing Germans to attempt to slow them down. During these operations, Mad Jack would charge the enemy carrying a Scottish claymore, which is a big fucking two-handed sword. Like a big fucking sword. Yeah. I like how a lot of the art of him, he's carrying like a one-handed goddamn sword. Yeah. No. No. The Claymore is fucking gigantic. This is William Wallace's six-foot fucking blade that he's carrying yeah. in a battle. It is massive. Yeah. He also made use of his longbow and supposedly killed a German officer with a barbed arrow. At one point during the Battle of France, Jack returned to his base on a motorcycle with his arrows on his back and a German officer's cap covering the headlight of the motorcycle. He was also bleeding from the fucking neck. Yeah, he got shot. Yeah. He and his men had been under heavy machine gun fire and had been given orders to fall back. But Jack said, uh, you know what? Fuck that shit. And took out the machine gun nest with a grenade. But when an officer asked him why his neck was bleeding, Jack basically just shrugged and said, German machine gun. <laughs> you know? Am I right? I think it was like him and one other dude, and they captured like 14 fucking dudes yeah. or something like that. It, it was, was just complete. It was insane. Bad. Yeah. He offered no further explanation. Just like, eh. <laughs> like I returned from the battle, and my neck is just slightly scratched. I'm like, oh, you will never fucking believe what happened to me. First, it started when I was three years old, and my mother said, you will never be injured on the neck. And here I am, injured on the. No, but he's like, uh, you know. Shit happens. German machine gun nest. No big deal. Dude, if I'm in the bathroom too long, I come out and I give my wife a play-by-play. <laughs> you know? Yeah, here. Like, oh, I didn't think I was constipated, but here I am, barely able to walk. <laughs> this this big anaconda motherfucker came <laughs> yeah. out of there. And, I had to get oh, a, I'm hobbling now. I had to get a hanger, a wire hanger from our, bath, our bedroom and like... Like, break it open and cut the thing up into mini pieces so it'll go down. I got a, I got a spoon. <laughs> yeah. It was an ordeal. <laughs> yeah. And she's just, please stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, following the fall of France, Jack joined up with the commandos. His unit was sent to Norway to take out artillery in advance of an invasion. As his landing craft approached the shore, Churchill played March of the Cameron Men on his bagpipes. As soon as the ramp was lowered, Churchill drew his sword and ran screaming up the beach, throwing grenades at the German position. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, man. Leroy Jenkins! Like you watch any war movie documentary and some dude's just sitting in a foxhole and he's like, Oh yeah, when I get back home, I'm going to have a hot dog at the Dodger Stadium. I'm going to watch Jackie Robinson hit a hundred homers. It's going to be so... And then a random bullet strikes him in his fucking face and he dies. <laughs> And this guy's screaming up a fucking beach carrying a sword and throwing grenades with a bagpipe, <laughs> you know, around his back. And the German's like, what the fuck? Shoot everybody yeah. else, you know? <laughs> well, 30 minutes later, the beach was captured. For these actions, Jack would receive the military cross. The commandos moved on to Italy, where they attacked Salerno. 
They were greatly outnumbered by the Germans, but Jack launched a night operation in which he and his men surrounded the Germans and shouted, Commando! They don't have any Repeated. underwear! <laughs> <laughs> Repeatedly, making the Germans think that they were the ones who were outnumbered. Over 100 Germans surrendered on the spot. He's just free-balling it. Fuck! This badass! Yeah, I think it was like 51, 52, I'm going by memory here. Yeah. Of these commandos that ended up capturing over a hundred Germans, so pretty uh pretty good job with the little fane there. Yep. Well, Mad Jack wasn't done. That same night, he and a single corporal went trench to trench capturing Germans at Sword Point. The two of them took another forty two prisoners themselves. Yeah, he would say something along the lines, and it's not a direct quote, was basically like the Germans were such good soldiers and so obedient that all you had to do was approach them. If you outrank them or, or senior to them, you give them an order and with some authority, and they basically say, Yawal, and surrender to your order. And so that's what he did that night, just marching up with this big fucking sword saying, surrender to like 20 dudes at a time. I'm like, okay, you got it, dude. No problem. End quote. End quote. It was a direct quote. <laughs> uh, also, it's Yawal. That's what I Yavol. said. Yawal. Oh, yeah, I said Yawal. Because yeah, you like those W's. We won the war. We didn't lose the fire. In 1944, Mad Jack and his commandos were sent to Yugoslavia. During battle there, Jack's entire unit was killed or wounded by artillery fire, leaving Mad Jack alone and scared. No. But not scared. Not scared. No, he wasn't scared. He's never been scared in his life. Jack fought until he ran out of ammo, and then he pulled out his bagpipes and played, Will ye no come back again? He played until a German grenade knocked him unconscious. You're like, fuck this noise. What the fuck is happening? You know, I, I'm telling yep, you. Still didn't die. I'm telling you, if a dude was on the battlefield facing me, I'm a German, and he's playing bagpipes, I immediately go back to Berlin. I spend the next three years inventing the fucking atomic bomb, and I drop it specifically on his dumb fucking ass for playing the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because his name was Churchill... He was flown to Berlin and interrogated, but once the Germans realized he wasn't related to the prime minister, but instead was just some crazy fuck playing bagpipes and carrying a sword, they sent Jack to a concentration camp. He promptly escaped and was sent to another POW camp, which he then escaped. Mad Jack then walked 90 miles to Italy where he found an American armored unit that returned him to England. It was early 1945 and the war in Europe was pretty much over. Mad Jack wasn't hearing any of that shit and immediately transferred to Burma to fight the Japanese. Unfortunately for him, as soon as he arrived, the U.S. dropped the atomic bombs and ended the war. A heartbroken Mad Jack would say, quote, If it wasn't for those damned Yanks, we could have gone on fighting the war for another ten years. He was simultaneously a badass and also, like, a complete fucking psychopath. He's like, ah, fuck, the war's over. Ah, ah, now I've got to go back to killing the... Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive by any means. <laughs> like, uh, he, was, he was definitely a psychopath and a badass. Well, Jack Churchill wasn't going to let a little thing like the end of the greatest conflict in human history keep him from fighting. In 1948, he went to British Palestine, which would later become Israel. In May, he was at a military parade in full-dress uniform when he heard that the Arabs had ambushed a Jewish medical convoy. Jack rushed to join the fight in his dress-fucking-uniform. As he ran up the road, he was grinning like a madman. It would later say that when you charge at someone while smiling, they are less likely to shoot you. 
Same okay. same approach I have in the nightclubs when I'm coming at the ladies. Just big fucking psychopathic, <laughs> wide ass <laughs> grin. Like, As you're charging them in the parking lot, yeah, or? yeah. And there's just like drool running out of the corner of my mouth. <laughs> 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 They're not going to shoot me. You're wearing your leisure suit. <laughs> I, I wear a unitard actually to the club. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The Jews in the convoy refused to leave, but Jack and his men stayed there to defend them anyway. Following the ambush on the convoy, Jack would lead the evacuation of 700 Jewish doctors. Jack Churchill would retire from the military in 1959 and would die, probably of boredom, in 1996 at the age of 89. And with that, end of story. Hmm. Died fighting with a claymore and a kilt. That's uh, that's my idea of sexy right there. Just an erection raising up that kilt as he charges, screaming, throwing grenades, playing his bagpipes. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> erection's long enough to where it just like is peeking out of the <laughs> yeah. the kilt, kind of like uh, when ET's in the front basket of Elliot's. Bicycle in the movie E.T. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like the little hood on. Yeah. <laughs> that is Mad Jack Churchill's boner. And just like E.T., it's so magical that it catches an updraft and he takes off flying towards the Germans. Just throwing <laughs> <point> grenades. <laughs> Claymore pointed at the North Star. <laughs> ah, bye, Jack! <laughs> All right, Greg. Well, our listeners have been put through a lot of drunken hilarity. I think they need a break. Um, we don't really need a break because we've just done like three minutes of actual podcasting this week, but they might need a break and I need to, <laughs> I'm out of snow cone booze. So I might just have to switch to booze, but, uh, what do you say we give them 10 seconds and we come back with another hangover? They need that reprieve. Let's do it. Oh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed that incredibly long break that we just had. And now we are going to tell you the story of Big Nose George. Unlike the other hangovers you'll hear today, our Patreon subs got to hear this one fairly recently. And that should give you some kind of idea how we have done absolutely nothing to improve our craft. I mean, we have gotten a lot better at drinking, though, right? Right? That's right. So, uh, you know, that's something. Anyway. Here's the story of the Wild West outlaw known as Big Nose George. Today we are talking about George Parrot. Big Nose George Parrot. And we'll get into why he's called Big Nose in a second, in case you're too stupid to figure that out. <laughs> well, George Parrot was born on March 20th, 1834, in Mont France. His family immigrated to the United States, and that is basically all we know about George's childhood or early adulthood. But since it's a hangover, I'm going to assume his parents both died, he had to work in the fields, he fought in World War I, he became a hero, and here we are, back in 1870-something. <laughs> fought in World War I <laughs> <Yeah>. in 1910, <laughs> and then traveled back in time, because he was special. Mm-hmm. Not... Special, like Special Edward, like Greg said he called some kid on the playground in the last episode. 
I did not say that. I said that's impossible. <laughs> God damn it. Stop painting me into these corners, you son of a bitch. Oh, it's the only power I have over you. Because you, you somehow you edit these every week to make me sound like a drunk asshole. So I kind of throw away my <laughs> yeah, shots that's right all in me. <laughs> well, as an adult, George decided to become a Wild West outlaw, and he earned the nickname Polly because his last name was Parrot, and he loved crackers and repeating what people said back to them. Pretty good. Huh? Ah! Ah! <laughs> Actually, people weren't that clever with their nicknames back in the olden days. They took one look at George's face, which looked pretty much exactly like those pair of, uh, you know, the fake nose and mustache glasses. Mm -hmm. And they started calling him Old Big Nose George. The perfect disguise, by the way. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to go somewhere and you don't want people to know who you are, go to the dollar store, pick up a pair of the eyes-nose-mustache combo. Mm -hmm. Mr. Incognito is what they call me, baby. <laughs> and they look at you and it's like, huh. That homosexual man is wearing thick rim glasses. Okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> going to give some fellow a mustache ride. Good times. <laughs> in 1878, George and his gang, led by a dude named Sim Jan. Sounds made up. It does. It feels like it's missing a consonant. Like it should be like Slim Jan or... Slim Jim. Slim either. Jim, yeah. Nope. It's Sim Jan. They decided to rob a train, because that was the cool thing to do at the time. It still is, let's be honest. You know what, I... I It'd be I, pretty fun cool to rob a train. It would. And you open it up, and it's nothing but, like, I don't know, soybeans. Son of a bitch. Fooled again, dagnabbit. <laughs> Throw your hat on the ground and stomp Start on... Start stomping on your cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they pulled up the railroad spikes, thinking that the rails would become loose, and the train would derail or come to a halt. Then, when everyone was dead or dying in a fiery railroad crash, they'd steal the money from the mail car and then pickpocket from the corpses. Yay! Old West! So fun! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, it gets even more fucked up. Zero value for human life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, okay, I guess there is some value, but it is very low. <laughs> yes, extremely low. Well, unfortunately for them, a Union Pacific survey team arrived before the train and found that the tracks had been tampered with. A few members of the gang wanted to kill the survey team, but George was against the idea, and the gang fled instead. Like, hey, what if we kill them? There won't be any witnesses, and the train comes, still crashes, we still get our money. He's like, I don't know, seems risky, guys. Let's just, uh, let's just run. What's the worst that could happen if they watch us run away? Just <laughs> <laughs> jump out of the bushes. Oh no, boys, they're on to us! Let's skedaddle! That's what they did. That's exactly how it went. I like that. Thank you. Well, the survey team alerted the law. Two men were sent after George's gang. Union Pacific Detective Tip Vincent and Wyoming Deputy Sheriff Robert Widowfield tracked the gang to a canyon called Rattlesnake Pass. This all sounds made up. This just sounds like... Dude, I don't, I don't want Widowfield. I'll just take the tip. <laughs> like, just the tip, you know? Yeah. Widowfield. Yeah. I guess... You're just going to the jazz milf bar and hooking up with all the ladies whose husbands have died, trying to get that sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet inheritance money, too. Yep. That's the best of the uh, the jazz bars. Yep. Whittlefields. <laughs> when these guys approached the entry to the canyon, one of the gang members spotted them. The gang put out their fire and hid in the bushes, hoping the lawmen would continue on. 
but Widowfield realized that the ashes were still warm and the gang was nearby. Moments later, George and his gang jumped out from behind the bushes and shouted, Surprise! It was Robert Widowfield's birthday. In all the excitement, he had forgotten. Boy, was his face red. <laughs> no, wait. His face was red because the gang shot him. In the face. Oh. <laughs> Surprise! Shot, shot, shot! <laughs> you did! <laughs> yeah! Robert Widowfield became the first sheriff to die in the line of duty in the state of Wyoming. Not something you want to be first for. No. Just a, just a little tip there. <laughs> Speaking of just a little tip, just little tip Vincent managed to ride away, but the gang caught up to him and they killed him too. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> yep. They got the whole thing, not just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> tip, I'm going to take you and Shaft with you. Come on. <laughs> and the Boom. horse you rode Boom. in on. And the balls. Mm-hmm. Everything. The pubes. Mm-hmm. The vast difference in the scrotum. <laughs> I was going to say the vast he's, he's got his hands up. He's like, wait, what the what, what fuck you, is going on here? What are you here? guys talking about? I don't understand. Are you trying to kill me or stroke me off? <laughs> shot! Shot! <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, little cock ring accessory I know that you got on you. <laughs> wait, uh, it's, it's just my, it's my name. <laughs> what do you want? I'm confused about my sexuality, okay? Shot! Shot! <laughs> My middle name is Anal Beads. <laughs> Poor tip Anal Beads, Vincent. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Yeah. His old-timey nickname was Curly Hair. <laughs> A $10,000 reward was issued for the arrest of Big Nose George and his gang. They stayed active and robbed a stagecoach and came away with between $3,600 and $14,000, depending on the source. The 14000 came from the stagecoach guys because they wanted to, you know, get more shit back from the insurance company. Hell yeah. Like, oh yeah, I was, yeah, I was carrying, like, maybe. Well, we had, uh, we had three car stereos. <laughs> yeah. We didn't just know. have the one. Oh yeah, and I had a bunch of priceless artwork in the back, you know. <laughs> yeah. the, the original Mona Lisa was back there. I don't fucking know. Man, it was just stroke of bad luck, I guess. Because it would fit back there. It's 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 tiny, see? Yeah. Nobody ever knows it's that tiny. They go to the Louvre and they're disappointed, and now they're going to be really <laughs> fucking disappointed. That's going to be a Polaroid up there now, <laughs> see? That's exactly what cowboys you, said. Your, your shit is rubbed off on me, you piece of shit. Yes, anytime you need a voice, just throw in a C. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chairman Mao said, Yeah, kill all the birds, see? <laughs> <laughs> and on the first day, God said, let there be light, say. Say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you could then see. Yeah, makes because sense. Because there's light. Well, one by one, the gang was either captured or killed, forcing them to break up and flee. George remained free for two more years until he got drunk in a Montana bar and bragged about killing Robert Widowfield. He was promptly arrested and sent back to Wyoming. Just punishment in its own right. Being sent to fucking Wyoming. It's not Iowa, dude. Wyoming's gorgeous. It's pretty, but like, hey, I want to go to the store. What store? I don't know, like a Walmart? Oh, that's like 800 miles away. Mm, sure. It's a good place to visit. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Good place to hide your meth labs. Or so I've been sold. 
Fuck you, ATF. <laughs> On his way to trial, George was detained by an angry mob who threatened to hang him. He promised to plead guilty to his crimes if they let him continue on to his trial. When his trial was held, George switched his plea to not guilty, and then promptly back to guilty, hoping for some leniency, but he was sentenced to hang on April 2nd, 1881. This reminds me so much of when my wife, like, she'll ask me a question, mm -hmm. like how I feel about, you know, such and such or so-and-so, and I'll reply with a, yes? Kind of gauge her reaction, <laughs> and then like change it to a no, and kind of reassess, you know, like yeah, because I'm not sure what she wants to hear. Yeah, like it seems like that's what he's doing. Like, oh, not guilty, and they're oh, let's fucking kill him now. I, <laughs> guilty, guilty. No, I, I did. I guilty. Did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you want to hear? Just tell me. Just tell me, wife. And he gets to court, and it's just him and the judge. He's like, not guilty. Didn't fucking do it. And the judge is like, I'll fucking kill you if you're guilty, though. If we find you guilty and you plead not guilty, I'm going to fucking kill you. He's like, guilty? He's like, okay, I'm going to fucking kill you. He's like, god damn it! I can't win for losing! <laughs> he shows up to court and he's like, I've got laryngitis. <laughs> All right, well, just write down your plea. He writes down on the card, not guilty. That way the, the ribble rabble of the, the court behind him doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to hear it. Judge fucking yells it out. <laughs> Actually goes outside on the balcony of the courtroom. Because this is a third floor gotcha. courtroom, I'm imagining. Uh-huh. With huddled masses of people outside. And uh, he goes out there and he's just like, he said not guilty. <laughs> and they're all just like, oh my fucking. They start setting the building on fire. He's like, oh fuck, okay, guilty, I'm they guilty. Fire their right, guns in the area. Them. Start, you know, slinging the fucking nooses over their head. Like, you know. A party favor. <laughs> We're gonna get him now! <laughs> On March 22nd, while he was awaiting his execution, George managed to slip free from his shackles. He hid in the bathroom until the jailer came in, at which point George jumped on the man and began to bash his head in with the shackles. That's an old-timey word, too. Shackles. Is it? You don't see a lot of people getting shackled anymore. I was handcuffed. No. I was detained. Oh, I was shackled, see? Yeah, tie me to the wall, see? Beat me with the hose, yeah. See, old-timey. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you say it with an old-timey voice. That's how you do it. That's how you trick people. The jailer called out to his wife, who came in with a pistol, and ordered George to get back in his cell. That night, word spread around town that Big Nose George had tried to escape justice. At about 10 p.m., the witching hour. A group of masked men burst into the jail and demanded that George be released. Oh, his heroes, his gang's here to save him. Yay! Yeah, he was relieved for, you know, all of about ten seconds before he realized that his rescuers were actually there to hang him themselves. They dragged him outside where a mob of 200 people watched as he was hanged from a telegraph pole. Big-nosed George was dead. End of story. That was a very cool Old West story. You know, a train robber killed a lawman, got hanged. That's probably the last we'll ever hear about Big Nose George. I'm sure he was laid to rest peacefully. Nothing bad ever happened. Okay, thanks, Greg. And thank you, listener. We'll but that wasn't the end <laughs> Oh no! of George's story. Oh, I'm an idiot. I can't believe that. <laughs> His body was taken by doctors so that they could perform experiments on it. 
That's what I call it. (laughs) Let's see how tight it is once you're dead. That's what I say. Is that what you say, you sick fuck? (laughs) No, I've never never said that. Not on tape, anyway. Until now. (laughs) 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 Well, just so you know, those involuntary muscles, Uh they loosen up. (laughs) They're naturally constricted. Oh. So they unconstrict. Oh. Just saying. So, like, throwing a Vienna sausage into the Grand Canyon is what you're telling me? Probably throwing a Vienna sausage back into the can of Vienna sausage when it's just that gelatin nasty (laughs) substance left in there. I'm no longer aroused. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for killing that kink. You're welcome. Well, they wanted to see how the criminal mind worked, so they sawed off the top of his skull. This skull cap was given to the doctor's assistant, Lillian Heath. Lillian would go on to become the first female doctor in Wyoming, and she kept the skull cap to use as both an ashtray and a doorstop. <laughs> like, I'd wear it like a little hat. <laughs> would you? Like, you know? like I, I'd convert to Judaism just to wear that fucking thing <laughs> as a yarmulke. A skull yarmulke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like the rabbi would be like, sir, I'm not sure you're here for the right reasons. <laughs> ah, shut up and teach, preach. <laughs> you know, well, I'd grow up curly sideburns. Yeah. Real Hasidic. I'd be a, a fake Hasidic Jew. Learn all the words and the- just twirl, twirl my little. But I'd be texting the whole time, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the back pew with my skull like, yarmulke. Everybody be talking and like they just stare at you as your phone's going off, checking your fantasy football scores. <laughs> you're like, you look up and it's silent and you just go, uh, shalom. And like, okay, he's one of us. <laughs> okay. He's one of us. It's fine. Yeah. Two minutes later, Saquon Barkley gets a touchdown for the New York Giants. Motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. I'll look back again. Oh, uh. him. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, he's good. He's good. He knows all the words to Hava Nagila. Obviously. <laughs> he's here for the right reasons. Sorry, Saquon just kicked over a dreidel. It upset me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> The skin from George's chest and thighs was removed and sent to a tannery in Denver, Colorado, where it was turned into a medical bag and a pair of shoes. Nipples and all. Woo! I hope they were at the the toe of the shoes. Like, at the point. (laughs) (laughs) Nipples are very celebratory. (laughs) You know, like Mardi Gras. Oh, there, there they are. Yeah, every time somebody saw his shoes, they threw beads at him. (laughs) <laughs> there they are. <laughs> the anal beads. Whoa! Well, these uh, shoes and this medical bag, they're given to Dr. John Osborne, who was the doctor who had treated the jailer that George had beaten on the day of his lynching. Dr. Osborne would go on to become the third governor of Wyoming and would be seen wearing the dead human skin shoes on the fucking day of his inauguration. <laughs> What were you saying earlier about human life having value? Did you say they had some value or? Apparently no. (laughs) The body of George was pickled in a salt solution, shoved in an old whiskey barrel, and buried in the town of Rollins, Wyoming, where he had been hanged. In 1950, a work crew discovered the barrel full of human remains and noted that the top of the skull was missing. Lillian Heath, who was still alive at the time, confirmed that the remains belonged to big-nosed George Parrott, 
and proved it by returning the skull cap, which turned out to be a perfect fit. And she's like, like oh. <laughs> it's circular and so they, they put it there and it doesn't quite fit and they just keep rotating it clockwise <laughs> and then it suddenly clicks in yeah. like that show uh legends of the hidden temple <laughs> yeah, on nickelodeon a, back in the day yes. you just gotta get the piece just right and then oh the secret door opens hell yeah yeah and the music plays <laughs> that was of course after she dumped all the marble reds out of the fucking that the top of his head like that oh, yeah. skull oh let me you don't need those anymore sorry <laughs> <laughs> i guess you boys need this not those huh? <laughs> all right then right. <laughs> oh that one's still got a couple drags on it yeah is that half a blunt Woo! <laughs> how did that get in there <laughs> what's that doing in there <laughs> Must be my stepson. I'll I'll make sure the proper authorities get that one. <laughs> you guys like Cheech and Chong? No? No? Okay. <laughs> we usually give you a moral at the end of our hangovers, but in this story, the only real takeaway is that the Wild West was really fucked up. End of story. Woo! Yeehaw! You know, they called him Big Nose George, but I don't know if, like, his nose actually made into any of the clothing or anything that that doctor ended up wearing. They should call him Big Nips, George. I, I, I feel like they missed an opportunity there. Maybe they uh, turned the nose, like hollowed it out and made a cock holster out of it or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think like they wore it like the fake nose mustache glasses. Like they just used his fucking decaying flesh for that part. <laughs> Put some curly the original, pube, the pubes old, under Olden yeah. times one <laughs> Yeah <laughs> We didn't have plastic back in those days You just had to go with it You had to find an outlaw's nose and put it over your own You had to have a big nose because it wouldn't fit <laughs> Alright Greg, let's wrap this up Okay, and we're gonna do that with a story About Charles Guiteau Now, by far our most Played series is the assassination Of Abraham Lincoln that was damn near seven hours of talking about the death of a great man and the asshole who killed him. Lincoln wasn't the last president to be assassinated. As a matter of fact, one was killed only 20 years later. But that man wasn't nearly as great, and we were able to tell his story in 20 minutes while hammered drunk. Eat your fucking heart out, Dan Carlin. Quote! <laughs> Everyone else, lay back and take in the story of Charles Guiteau. Well, today on this Patreon-exclusive, thank you so much, you sexy motherfuckers, mm. uh, Hangover mini-episode, we're talking about Charles Guiteau. Everybody knows Charles Guiteau, so why are we talking about him? I don't know. Thank you for listening. Thank you for donating. We'll see you next time. End of story. No! You don't know shit about Charles Guiteau. Don't pretend. Don't you lie to me, you whores. <laughs> Although... We're getting paid for this. I guess we're the whores. We're just going <laughs> to pretend like we knew the whole time. Yeah. I was born. I came crawling out of my mother's uterus. And I'm like, let me tell you about a man named Charles Guiteau. You're like, why is this guy talking like a, a longshoreman who's been living in a lighthouse for the last 20 years? <laughs> You've got like the raincoat and the long gray beard. <laughs> yeah. So, listener, you may be asking yourself, why are we doing a show on Charles Guiteau? How did we find out about him? Well, it was Chris. We were actually doing our Lincoln series and just wondering, it, it was very curious how easily somebody could have access 
to a president mm -hmm. in those days. So maybe things happen and you end up uh, learning about somebody. We're trying to keep this as spoilerless <laughs> as possible. Right, right. But uh, just stay tuned because shit happens. Right. That's exactly what my uh, Tinder profile says. Says... <laughs> Things happen. You learn about somebody, but we're trying to keep it as spoiler-free as possible. So just pay attention. You might learn a few things. And then in all caps with a winky face, shit happens. Like he wants, he wants <laughs> yeah. to let you know the kinks he's into. Yeah. And then in parentheses, not in caps, on my chest, please call me. <laughs> <laughs> on glass coffee table, I'm underneath. Mm. Call. <laughs> call. Call now. Call now. Well, Charles J. Guiteau was born on September 8, 1841, in Freeport, Illinois. His family moved to Wisconsin and lived there until Guiteau was 14, and his mom said, quote, Man, I'd rather be dead than live in Wisconsin, end quote. And she dropped dead. It's not, not an exact quote. I, I made up the... Not, not really a quote. No, no. It's not a Dan Carlin quote. I'd rather be dead. That's exactly how Dan Carlin sounds. I nailed that one. Guiteau then moved back to Freeport. By all accounts, he was a super needy kid who constantly craved attention and approval. Samesies. Mm. Super needy. I can relate. 65-year-old over here. Like, please, guys, listen to my podcast. It's all I got. <laughs> when he was 18, he headed for Ann Arbor to attend H.H. Holmes' alma mater, the University of Michigan. Okay, so he, he attended it, like, years before H.H. Holmes, but still kind of interesting that they both went there. Only psychopaths go to University of Michigan. That's all I'm saying. Fact. He soon decided that school was for fools. He dropped out, moved to New York, and joined a religious cult. Ah, normally people join the theater. <laughs> well, this cult was known as the Oneida community, and they had some super fun beliefs. And they also made silverware. Cheap silverware. No? Am I making a silver? And, and plates. And yeah. plates. I don't think most people will get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nailing these home goods jokes, you people. <laughs> right now, some guy's listening to this podcast in Bed Bath & Beyond. He's like, oh, God, I get it. <laughs> these... No, he's just stopping right in the middle of the aisle and fucking headbanging like, fuck yeah, they Oneida! <laughs> <laughs> well, the Oneida community thought that Jesus had come back to Earth already, way back in like 70 A.D., and they thought the only way for them to get out of this purgatory nightmare was to be perfect human beings. And that's, you know, that's something to strive for. Um, but they achieved this by having meetings where everyone would do nothing but point out each other's flaws. Ooh, you know me. That's my kind of meeting. <laughs> I know, right? Ah, oh, the outline's never on time, Chris. Uh, you're going to hell. Like, oh, God. The United Community also believed in arranged marriages and eugenics, and couples had to apply to have children. Okay, I know eugenics get a bad rap, but would it be so bad if people had to apply to get have kids? Am I just am I way out there? Am I a little bit? Okay, yeah. okay. Well, then it I, opens the door for so much oppression. Well, I take it back then. I, I'm kind of with you, but yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean it. Uh, you guys fuck <laughs> impregnate who you want. That's the American way. Well, at the same time, the United community also were big believers in group love and swinging. Hey. Well, to prevent unplanned devil baby pregnancies, they practiced the ancient art of edging. What is this? So they, they basically, after you mow your yard, 
you get this little thing out and you go around the sidewalks <laughs> and stuff and you make sure it's nice and you know trim right there kind of like cuts a smooth line along okay the fair enough no people if you don't know what edging is it's basically where you're doing naughty things with your private parts and right before you spray the devil's baby gravy all over the place you stop oh why would you do that i don't know i don't know it's like holding in a sneeze you know it's just it's not what god intended these people were wrong in every aspect of this. <laughs> women were allowed to orgasm but men had to stop boning right before they climaxed the young men in this sect were taught this early on by the old horny milfs at the jazz bar <laughs> yeah they definitely believed in crazy shit women orgasming <laughs> <laughs> Stupid idiots. Yeah, Wolf did give me a Wolf did give me a laugh track. Do it. <laughs> what next? The clitoris is real. Come on. Women had an impact on history. <laughs> That's funny cuz it's stupid. Mine's real. Even in this group of weirdos Charles Guiteau was considered the weird one. Despite their policy of open relationships and free love, no one wanted to have sex with old Charlie, and they started calling him Charles Get Out. Hilarious. Uh, you know <laughs> what? I, I give them some applause. That's Charles Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> it, they did this to drive home the fact they wanted him out. See? Oh. It's a play on words. Weird how that works. You know what? Real talk, I had a neighbor annoyed the shit out of me he was like three years younger than me and he liked to hang out all the fucking time come over you know play basketball swim in my luxurious pool that my parents had before they disowned me and like he would sit there and i like i don't want him here like i need him to, but you know i'm trying to do the polite thing instead of just saying go the fuck home so i just sit there and do nothing i'd literally do nothing he's like what are we gonna do now i don't know man sit here and wait he's like uh, okay cool he just sit there and like fucking bounce his knees. You're a dick. <laughs> like, please go home. He's a dick. I'm a hero. All you had to do is be like, oh, I'm, well, I'm going in. He'd be like, okay, what are we going to do inside? I'm going to go take a nap. Okay, cool. Can I spoon with you? And then that awakens something in me. I'm never married. I never have a child. So thanks, Greg. <laughs> My life ends up completely different. Yeah. I mean, I'm still doing this podcast, but it was with a lot more pizzazz. You know? <laughs> no, but yeah, no, he would never go home. And uh, now he's my best friend. He's my only friend in the world. Who? It was you, Greg. Go home, you fucking prick. I didn't know you then. I was too busy banging your mom. <laughs> when you were like eight. <laughs> like a, a Lexi Romanoff. Well, no, you were eight. I was like four. <laughs> banging the shit out of mama. Oh, yeah, he's out there with his fucking shit, friend. Give it to him, give it to him, give me that bottle. Yes, take it, Chris's mother. And you smoke your cigarette. <laughs> well, Charles knew when he wasn't wanted, so he only endured the abuse for five fucking years. So this kind of reminds me of the scene from, uh, have you seen the movie Basketball? Yeah, yeah. Like Matt Stone, Trey Parker from South Park, before South Park or whatever. It's their buddy that lived with them they're hanging out with a little short dude yeah squeak he's like yeah squeak yeah he's like stop calling me a little bitch 
God damn it. I swear, if you guys rip on me 13 or 14 more times, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? 13 or 14 yeah. more times? That's, Way to stand up for yourself. Charles Guiteau. He's like, I swear, if this happens for like two, three more years, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving this <laughs> yeah. fucking sex cult. I'm gone. Well, just like his idol, his hero, who wouldn't be born into a wool after him, and I'm talking about H.H. Holmes, by the way. I'm making another reference to him. Yeah. Charles Guiteau moved to Chicago, where he barely passed the bar exam and became a lawyer. But apparently he was like a really shitty lawyer because he only tried one case before focusing on debt collection. So like he went to trial and he just fucked it all up and they put him on the phones. He's like calling people and he's like, oh, is, uh, is Christopher home? Who's calling? Christopher, I am with United, uh, United Financial Opportunities. Oh, click. Fuck you. You're never getting my money, MasterCard. <laughs> I'm never paying for those dildos. They didn't satisfy me. I was already too stretched out. They <laughs> lied. Yeah. It was like throwing a hot dog down a very homoerogenous hallway. Just dipping a hot dog in a bucket of water. Yep. <laughs> Implying that my anal cavity is just constantly full of liquids. <laughs> yes, you said you diarrhea all the time. Yeah, that's true. I did say that. You got you to gotta keep up with all these storylines. <laughs> all these man. lies I'm telling about myself. Well, Charles was a shady debt collector and stole from his employer and had to go on the run to avoid paying back all of his debts. Well, so he was a debt collector, right? Yeah. He was just collecting debts that didn't exist. That's all. So what he would do... Right? He, he, well, he would... Buy, just stealing. He would buy the debt, like like debt collectors do. Like, uh, okay, let me pay you for this, and I'll pay you back whatever... You know, let's say it's a thousand dollar debt. I'll buy it for five hundred, and when I get you know seven hundred for it, I'll give you back your five hundred and keep the two. Well, what he would do is say, "Oh yeah, they never fucking paid," and keep all of the seven hundred bucks for himself. And so they they figured it out, and they're like, "Oh, go get him, get him!" And they sent Dog the Bounty Hunter after him. Did he call him the N word? Oh, he know he did. That racist Hawaiian piece of shit. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Charles married a woman named Annie Bunn. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's like a butt. <laughs> and they moved to New York to avoid his creditors. It was there that Charles gained an interest in politics and wrote a very shitty speech to support the presidential candidate Horace Greeley. Guiteau was convinced that if Greeley won, he'd be so grateful for Charles' support that he'd make him minister of Chile. Uh, whatever the fuck that was. Just a made-up position. In case you guys aren't, like, caught up on your history, never had to learn the presidents. There was never a president, Horace Greeley, so it's pretty obvious he lost in a fucking landslide. Mm-hmm. Annie had had enough of her husband, who was not only basically insane, but also physically abusive, and she filed for divorce. Well, back in those days, you had to provide a reason for divorce, so Charles went out and fucked a prostitute, and then had the prostitute testify in court. He was granted the divorce. Yes. I feel like, you know, that's that's good and all. But wouldn't it have been better if he'd been, Your Honor, I'd like to call Charlene to the stand. And you're like, she walks up there and she's wearing her high heels and her fishnets, like her fur collar, <laughs> denim jacket or whatever. Greets the judge. Hey, Daddy. <laughs> hey, Daddy. I bet you'd like to hammer something else. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Counselor, do you have any questions for this witness? Just one. Madam, if I gave you $50, would you suck my dick right here? 
Oh, you know it. And then he hands her, <laughs> you know, the 50, he hands her the, what is a 50, a grant? Who's on the 50? I don't even know. I've never seen a $50 bill in my life. <laughs> <laughs> hands her one of those and she just gets down and goes to town in front of the court and the judge is like banging on the, ah, okay, order in the court. Yep, you're divorced, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Gatil fell back to his religious roots and began to travel around preaching. In 1880, he was the passenger on a ship, the Stonington, that collided with another ship in the Boston Harbor. Everyone on the other ship died in the collision, leaving Gateau to believe that God needed him for a higher purpose. And here we go. (laughs) He found that higher purpose with the 1880 presidential election. He wrote a speech supporting Ulysses S. Grant, but Grant lost the Republican nomination to James Garfield. So... He just scratched out Grant's name and replaced it with Garfield. Problem fucking solved. <laughs> don't need to change the speech at all. He's exactly, you know, I don't care. They have different platforms. One of them's an orange cat who loves lasagna. The other's a drunk mm-hmm. Civil War general. They, they basically believe in the same thing. Let's just fix that right there. Okay. But one of them is beholden to John, mm-hmm. his master. Ulysses S. Grant, yeah. And his cohort, Odie. Yeah. So Ulysses S. Grant. It only makes it, it, it clearly <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> Garfield won the election, and naturally, Gateau believed his speech was the reason why. We did it! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> it's like the the guy who watches his favorite sports team, and he's wearing like a dirty fucking jersey at home that he never washes. They want they win the game and come back. He's like. All we fucking me. did it. You're welcome. <laughs> Gateau began to demand that the president make him the ambassador to Paris or Vienna. You know, either one. Your choice, bro. That's fine. Chile, no. That's last year. Fuck yeah. that. I make you the minister. Paris or Vienna. I make you the minister to uh, Beirut. Uh, man, after all I did for you to help you win this election, you're going to send me to fucking Beirut? Really? <laughs> Garfield had no idea who the fuck Gateau was and thusly ignored him. That didn't stop Gateau from hanging out in Washington, D.C. hotel lobbies, annoying the shit out of Garfield and all of his cabinet members. Finally, on May 14, 1881, Secretary of State James G. Blaine shouted, Never speak to me again on the parish council ship as long as you live. It's good. I like it. It's basically... Word for word, verbatim, what he sounded like. But <laughs> word for word, verbatim, what he sounded like. <laughs> yeah, I know that those th- aren't the same thing. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Of course, Charles Gateau handled that rejection like an adult. You know, I mean, like an adult with poor coping skills, a fear of rejection, and most likely a severe case of neurosyphilis. Gateau decided to kill. James Garfield mm. by poisoning his lasagna. Oh no! He'll never see it coming. He just swallows that thing whole. Hopefully, he's asleep. He's just taking a nap because it's <laughs> it's Monday. He's either eating lasagna or asleep. So yeah. Gateau went and bought a fifteen dollar pistol. He picked one with a pearl grip because he thought it would look best in a museum. The gun with the pearl grip actually cost sixteen dollars, but the gun store owner said. Man, you look like a normal dude, and you passed our super rigorous background checks, so the grips are on the house. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah! Then he fired his own pistols into the sky. 
I do like the pro grip though. You know, a little George S. Patton mm-hmm. here in a few years, and by a few I mean like you know fifty. That's fine. Something it's about, it's about fifty same. something. Yeah. On July second, eighteen eighty one, Gateau went to the Baltimore and Potomac Railway Station to wait for Garfield. He knew the president would be there because his itinerary was printed in the newspaper every fucking day. When Garfield arrived, Gateau sprung into action and shot the president in the back twice and shouted, I am the stalwart of stalwarts. Arthur is president now. And, you know, he was arrested on the spot. So by Arthur, he means that, like, aardvark thing that's on PBS? Maybe the vice president. Okay, so the the aardvark thing on PBS became the vice president. Got it. President James Garfield would live for another three months, and his wounds were probably survivable. But his doctors operated on him with dirty hands and dirty tools, which is pretty common practice back in the day. Right. And he died of infection on September 19th. Yeah, we when we talked about Lincoln, uh, we talked about how he was screwed from the get-go. He got shot in the head, and basically it, the bullet tore a hole through his brain. But he would have died of infection either way, because like we talked about, they were carrying him across the street— and someone, like, reached inside his bullet wound with their dirty-ass fingers and pulled yeah. out a blood plug and threw it on the ground. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, what the fuck? Let me just put down this uh, this cheeseburger I've been eating for the last couple days and just reach inside your brain cavity and pull out some blood. It's, it's fine. Last couple days. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> well, Gateau was put on trial for the murder of the president in November. He spent the entire trial yelling and screaming and cursing at everyone, including his own attorneys. You know what? If I was as guilty as he was, that's what would be my strategy. Just constantly screaming, fuck you, until they kick Ah! me out. (laughs) (laughs) When he was allowed to testify, he did so by reading an epic poem he had written. He even wrote a letter to Chester A. Arthur, stating he should let Gateau go free because he had gotten Arthur a pay raise by killing Garfield. You're welcome, bro. (laughs) Yeah, now he's the president. Despite the fact Gateau was clearly insane... He was found guilty and sentenced to death. On July 30th, 1882, Charles Guiteau was led to the gallows. His last words were in the form of a poem he had written called, I am going to the Lordy. (laughs) Lordy. Probably sounds like it was written by a six-year-old, yeah. yeah. I'm going going to to the Lordy. (laughs) He had requested an orchestra to play while he read it, but of course that was denied. So ridiculous. But here's the deal. He sang the first part of the poem and then read the rest aloud in a high-pitched falsetto voice. Like, I would pay money to have a recording of this. I know. It sounds fucking hilarious. (laughs) I killed the president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I bet it's so fun. I just, I imagine a lot of vibrato in there, like... (laughs) I killed the president. <laughs> you know, and everybody just standing around like, God damn. He's it. wearing like no longer last words. Like a silver sequin jacket with a red scarf while he's doing <laughs> Just doing Michael Jackson dance moves. <laughs> killed the president. But he's <laughs> just staring at him like Oh, let him die in dignity. What if- He's he's got the black hood on the whole time, (laughs) doing spinny Michael Jackson moves, holding his crotch. (laughs) One glove. What if, what if Charles Gateau was a time traveler from the 80s who was just clinically fucking insane and killed the president? 
He's up there doing a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> And ah. then he sang. <laughs> <laughs> well, Black Hood was then placed over his head and he was hanged. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, hell. And now I like the timeline that Charles, that James Garfield was just basically going to be the second Hitler. And this crazy time traveling 80s guy went back and killed him to save the world from James Garfield. Even though he knew he was going to become the villain. Yeah. Hey. That's heroicism right there. Thank you, Charles Gateau. Yep. <laughs> well, the short, strange, and tragic life of Charles Gateau was over. His story does beg the question, if you're crazy because you have delusions of grandeur, and that craziness makes you do something grand, were you ever really delusional? What? Mind blown. End of story. Woo! We did a whole presidential assassination and it didn't take six hours of terrible hillbilly voice. I'm, uh, True. I'm proud of us. We've, we've gotten better. We, we, we did it in like three fucking two-hour episodes and then now we've managed to do it in like half an hour. That shows that no one gave a shit. We're sh so good. Gave a shit about James Garfield. Well, that too. Barely give a shit about his crazy-ass assassin. It's just, uh... But mainly we're so good. We are so good. Hit me up in the comments, ladies. Love toot my own horn, if you know what I mean. I don't. What is that? Masturbation. Is that... Oh, I got you. Yeah, I do that too. I do that too. Cool. High five, man. <laughs> yeah. Woo! We're best friends. What a crazy fucking story, man. Right? Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I did. I, I obviously had an idea because we just talked about it for 25 minutes. But, um, man, like, when we started researching Lincoln, and then you're like, oh, well, all these other presidents for every 20 years, every, you know, 60, 80, 1900, 1920, 1940, 1960, those presidents died in office. I didn't really know much about them. Then we go into Gateau. I'm like, holy fuck, this is crazy. Just this fucking mad-ass sex cult, crazed motherfucker, uh, killing a guy. because It's a wild-ass story. Yeah, you can't be minister of Vienna or Paris. Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, there's not going to be any surprises or misconceptions this week because we, we weren't surprised by any of this. So why don't you go ahead and take us home? <laughs> okay, guys, again, join us at 100proofhistory.com. There you'll find our Patreon info if you want more of these hangovers every Monday. If not, just get to know us, listen to older episodes, all that. Otherwise, we will be back next week at our regularly scheduled time with a brand new episode. Yep. All about the history of shoelaces, so get excited, people. <laughs> All right, we will see you bitches next time. Holla. Bye! She's also the one that's kind of like me. <laughs> oh. She's got a big dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs>